0: the 51st psalm psalm 51 the first time I read this psalm I was sitting in the ranch on a on a cold winter day and I uh, got so excited reading it I called my pastor when I was a young man called the pastor I think I was I hate to think the kids were probably six and seven years old, somewhere in there, maybe older. They were going to school, so they're probably about eight. That was a few years ago. And uh, called them up and says, I think the Lord's going to bring me into full time service. He says, What makes you think that? I says, Well, in Psalms 51, it says, you know, sacrifices unto the Lord uh, is the whole, whole ox, and I think I qualify for that. And and so, uh I went in and I, that set me off. I see well, I went to Bible college that spring. That spring. Amen. And the Lord was gracious and He's helped me ever since. When you uh look at Psalms fifty one, let's read I'll read it to you. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Now we see the word mercies there twice. Twice is a number of, two is a number of division. But mercy is getting more than what you deserve. And uh, we see that this psalm will be divided into three parts, basically. Forgiveness requested, sin recognized and confessed. And part three is request for restoration. And the fourth one, if there is one, it starts in verse 15. It's realization and reunion with God. All kinds of R's there. Pretty easy letter to pick on. That's what my name starts with, so it works out pretty good for me. But the first thing we see is uh, this is a psalm, and it's David wrote this psalm as the Holy Spirit told him to and inspired him and had him deliberately pen each word. But he wrote this, and most people figure uh, theologi- the- theologians, what have you, Bible scholars figure he wrote this after the sin of Bathsheba, but he could have wrote this any time in his life because it applies to each one of us any time in our lives. He was under the weight of sin and confessed that sin and rejoiced with his reunion with God. and We see a pattern laid out there in, in Psalms 51 for each one of us. As we get bogged down and encumbered with the sins and the problems of this world, And the problems we generate, sometimes ourselves, and sometimes they're generated upon us, we have a way out, and there's a pattern laid out here. Verse 2 says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Iniquity is the thoughts that lead to sin. Iniquity. You know, you might think about robbing a bank, but you don't rob the bank. But that's what Christ meant when he said, a man that looks upon a woman has sinned in his heart. That's iniquity. You know, things you struggle with, uh, problems you have, and things you struggle with of a negative nature. And it says here, you can pray and ask God to remove those temptations from you. And that's listed right here. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Anybody perfect, I've said it a couple times already this week, the only one that was ever perfect in this world, they took to the cross and killed. None of us are outside of the realms of iniquity and sin and transgressions in our lives, and we uh, need to be clean. When's the last time you asked the Lord to cleanse you of your iniquity and shame and sin? It gets a lot easier to face the next day once you've asked him to help you with those problems. Don't say you don't have any problems because Romans 3.10 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 says, There is none righteous, no, not one. We struggle with that. And lately it's been just a problem when you see what shape Egypt is in, as we looked at in Sunday school, or in Wednesday night services, Egypt is a type of the world. You see where we're at, where people in power and authority publicly use the name of the Lord in vain, and uh, we're the minority as Christians now in this world, at least in this state and in this country, Uh, but... uh, we have to struggle against those things and we see the deterioration around us and the frustration. But here in verse 4, it says, Against thee, thee only have I sinned. He repeats himself, thee being God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, I have sinned and I done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. When we sin, We sin against, there's a few times in the Bible, and Jesus Christ talks about it, how we sin against ourselves, mostly the uh, sins of unfaithfulness. But when we sin, we're actually sinning against God. You know, the whole world's set up that the devil's trying to get back at God, and the best way for him to get back at God is to ruin a Christian's testimony, to to ruin a Christian's union with Christ. Uh, Tonight we'll have a... Communion service, for lack of a better term, we'll have the Lord's Supper service, and we'll we'll look at that union we have with God, with Christ, and His sacrifice on this planet for our sins. And this, this, when we violate it, we're actually sinning against God. Oh, you might get away with being a bank robber for years, but God's God knows you're a sinner. You might get by with lying for years, but God knows you're a liar. You might get by with all kinds of uh, iniquity and improprietary circumstances in your life, but God knows where you stand. And you can ask for forgiveness. It's an open avenue. A guy told me one time, it's like on the phone, you, it's never going to be busy. You can just pick it up and talk to him. Put your hands together and you can speak to God. And he can cleanse you and make you whole again. In a matter of moments. How many times does he forgive? Well, he gave an example of that in scripture. Seventy times seven. Four thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine times. And then some. Okay, verse five. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and sin did my mother conceive me. None of us were born perfect. None of us were born without sin. Adam and Eve set the example. And I'm going to... Look here, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts thou shalt make me to know wisdom. You want wisdom? You can open up your Bible and read what wisdom requires. In the next Proverbs and in Psalms, anywhere in Scripture, you'll find wisdom, and God promises to let you have wisdom. He'll let you have wisdom. Ah, forgiveness requested, verses 1 through 6. The plea, a direct plea for mercy, not getting what one deserves. The point, opening, open confession of sin. And the purpose, verses 5 and 6. Behold, thou desirest truth. Jesus Christ said in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's what God desires. And we talk about battles in this world between good and evil, and there are. But you could sum it up between truth and lies. For God said, Jesus Christ said in in John chapter 8, verse 44, to Lucifer himself, he said, you're the father of lies. It's a lie to think that Jesus Christ, there's some other way to heaven other than through Jesus Christ. After all, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the first early church, in the book of Acts, the early church is called People of the Way. And it's an interesting uh, likeness. Jesus Christ is your only way to heaven. Jesus Christ is the only way to sanity and truth. Jesus Christ is the only way to peace in your life. Oh, that sounds pretty good, preacher. It sounds like good, preacher. But in reality, truth is right here in the book. And you'll find, as you go through this life, the further away you get from this book, the further away you get from true wisdom, the further away you get from, uh, good, goodness and positiveness, the closer you get to sin and iniquity. This book is truth, absolute truth. And the Jesus Christ also said in John chapter one, verse one. He said, He said, uh, in the beginning was the Lord, uh, the world. I'll read it. What is that there? Is that, uh, it's music. John 1.1 1, 1 and one fourteen. I like to quote those. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen. And in John 1.14, it says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Before Christ died and was crucified on the cross for our sins, he stood before Pontius Pilate, and Pilate asked him, What is truth? You had one that was fathered by lies and one that was fathered by truth. And when they met, you see the results. Jesus Christ became triumph over the whole system by sacrificing himself on the cross for our sins. And that's what this author here realized. He says, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be cleansed. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. I've gone to the Lord several times with dirty hands. I've gone to him several times with dirty iniquity in my heart. I've gone to the Lord, and he's cleansed me and made me whiter than snow. I've gone to the Lord with, with my children, with my bride, with myself. And It works. Believe me, it works. He can cleanse you and make you. The words that stand out in these next few verses are purge, make, hide thy face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. There's that word again. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Boy, that's hard to do in this day and age is to keep the right spirit. Cast me, cast me not away from thy presence and take the Not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. No cost. Jesus paid it all for thee. We see here that he has the power to restore us and give us our joy. Now, this is not talking about losing your salvation. He said, just restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. I remember when I come to terms with God and wiped the tears from my eyes and confess Christ as my personal Savior and said, Wash me and cleanse me, O Lord. I want that living water talked about in John chapter 3, the water that refreshes forever. Give me that water, and he washed me with my own tears. And I came out of my bedroom as a young teenage boy, and I went and seen my mother and father. I was lit. They weren't Christians at the time. I told them this stuff that they talk about in that Bible church up the road there. That stuff's real. I know. It's happened to me. I accepted Christ as my personal Savior. My dad said, in, his, in, in a deliberate thought, he said, That's nice, son. And my mom said, You'll get over it. I'm trying not to get over it the rest of my life. And eventually, before they died, each one of them asked me for that cleansing water. And I says, I can't give it to you. It's in the Word. It's in the book, but I can tell you what it says. And as I slapped the devil in the face, they accepted Christ as their personal saviors. Each one of us have an opportunity. If you can read or you can listen or if you can have enough skill to exercise the difference between right and wrong, you can accept Christ as your personal Savior. And you can act upon that acceptance as God cleanses you and makes you whole and makes you vibrant. You can act upon that and join a church. Accept Christ as your personal Savior first. Join a church. Be active. Get baptized. Accept Christ as your personal Savior, the most important thing. And then keep that communion up with God. And I've renewed that spirit within me several times, not only by confession, but by asking Christ to personally give me the strength to attend to the things he wants me to do, not what I want to do. And we have to submit ourselves to them. We have to give them sacrifices. Here we'll read about that in just a minute. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation... I talked about the joy, it fled from me rather quickly as a teenager. But it comes back all the time. He can restore unto you that joy. I will teach transgressors thy way, and sinners shall be converted unto me. And that was the promise I cling to for my parents to accept Christ as their personal Savior. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O Lord, thy God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud Thy righteousness. Now, you know, I'm not very good at singing. I'm kind of tone deaf. But I sure try. It's not going to hurt. If I have to get alone in the woods and sing to God, you can ask my dear wife. She's come to me a few times. What are you hollering about? (laughs) And I'm saying, I'm hollering and thanking the Lord for, for what he's done for me. You can't stay depressed too long when you think of those things. And it says there in verse 15, O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Try it sometimes. He'll bless you. That's why we have congregational singing here. You have an opportunity to worship God this morning. You're not going to get it anywhere else. You can go out in the woods as deep as you want. You're not going to get somebody that's going to help you sing along. For thou desirest. For thou desirest not sacrifice else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God verse 17. If you want to stay in communion with God, verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, I will not despise. I got my rights. I got my as we went in Sunday school. I got my I got the amendment. I can carry a gun on my shoulder. I can do all kinds of things. But if God wants you to give those things up, give them up. That's what he, he, who knows what he's calling you to do? He called me from a very successful life. And I don't know. I'm I, I measuring success now not by how many bears I shoot. i seen three of them this week. Wanted to shoot them all. But, uh, uh, and had four deer walk up to my front door. Literally walk up to my front door. One was a buck in velvet. And boy, I was ready to get after him too. And I've caught some big fish and I've let some big fish go. But my success isn't measured in that anymore. It's having peace with my fellow man. It's being doing what God wants me to do. My wife and I talked this week as we near our golden years. And... uh you ever miss going working with the livestock? And yeah, I would, I miss sunny days. This these aren't even these are teasers here. <laughs> and I miss the dust. <laughs> I know, I know, but I I like it hot and dry. But you know, I told her I'd rather be here than anywhere else. God's made. I'd rather be in God's will than in man's will. I'd rather be doing something for God now than working for myself and what I can achieve. Each one of us have to take that attitude and and develop it in our lives and work with it some and say, what's more important today? Going fishing or going to church? What's more important today? Spending time with the family or not? What's more important today? Going to work? We're not going to work. There's all kinds of things we all have to answer within ourselves. And the best way to make those decisions is before God and asking him to cleanse your life, cleanse your heart, cleanse your attitude, and give you clarity of thought and renew the right spirit within you. And in the last part, realizing your reunion with God, you can realize your spiritual blessings, you realize your spiritual deliverance, you realize... That you're entitled, you're working towards spiritual maturity. Do good in thy good pleasure, verse 18, unto Zion, build up thy walls of Jerusalem, thou shalt be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness. What burnt with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings, then shall they offer bullocks upon thy altar. That's Psalms 51. It's a wonderful psalms. Let's all stand. I'm not going to labor long here tonight, today. But purge me, make me, hide thy face from me, cast me, restore unto me, deliver me. Lord, open thou my lips, my mouth shall show forth thy praise.